0: There comes a point in our lives when we wrestle with God. When we hear things in our spirit, in our hearts, things that we know is right, but then there's that check. And then the fight begins. Oh, I don't want to do it. And that voice says, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do that. And then the fight is on. Please go with me to Genesis chapter 32. And I'll begin at verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Are you in a place where you're hearing the Spirit of God speak to you and you're trying to ignore it? You're trying to say it's not Jesus. You're trying to say, well, what I'm doing is right, so I'm not going to listen to that voice. You're wrestling with God. And I want to say to you that there will come a point when Jesus will have to touch you in some way to humble your heart. And it's interesting, this word, wrestle, it means to be dust. Bring one to the ground, to the dust. So if any of us in this house today has a heart and a mind and has uttered words that have said, I'm not going to do what Jesus wants me to do right now. Maybe it's painful. Maybe you don't want to do it. There's fear in your heart. When Jesus brings you to that place where he touches you, in whatever area it is, humble your heart and ask him, Lord, I kneel before you. Would you now come and bless me? Bless me so that the rebellion in my heart no longer has mastery over me. Plead with Jesus and say, Lord, come and bless me. That the fear in my heart is removed. That the pain that so cripples me from doing your will, that I'm healed. See, what Jacob asked was for a blessing of God. And he didn't want to let Jesus go until he was blessed. So I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. And I don't know where each of us is, but I do know for us to continue this walk that we're walking, we need Jesus to come and stand before us as we are on our knees saying, Lord, I serve you, and I will do what you want me to do, what you've called me to do. But this is where I am. My heart is broken in so many places. Or these are the blocks that stand before me. Would you say your word and bless me? Proclaim your goodness over my life. That I can stand on a place that's firm. That I can have your favor. That your scepter alone will rule over my heart. And not wickedness or the things that wicked people will say about us and utter over our lives. Come to a place and a point where you say, Lord, I'm done. I need your blessing, and I'm not going to let you go. Wrestling means getting down on our knees, humbling our hearts, being willing to have Jesus say the truth about us, And for us also to say, Lord, this is who I am, and this is my name. But I want to be an overcomer. So I encourage you today, don't wrestle with Jesus. When he comes and he speaks to your conscience, don't wrestle with him. For Peter says that we have a promise. There's a pledge where God will give us a clear conscience. God for a clear conscience today, that your conscience will bear witness that I am faithfully walking before Jesus. But if your conscience should stand as a witness to you today and say, what you're doing is not right, there is a way out. There is hope to be washed and to have a clear conscience before Jesus. And that's when we go to him and say, Lord, this is who I am. And I've been fighting and wrestling against what you want me to do. But today, I submit, would you come and now bless me? I welcome you today to the National Prayer Chapel and to his heart or we can have a clear conscience before Jesus and stand without any accusation in the glory of Jesus.
1: The Gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the gospel of the kingdom of God. How wonderful it is. But Lord, there's a fight involved with the gospel. Because the powers of darkness do not want you to advance your kingdom. And he doesn't want us to advance it. He wants to keep us in captivity. Lord, I pray today you'll open our eyes that we could see. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. I was asked this past week by a believer, what is the kingdom of God? Well, I could answer the kingdom of God as many things. It's the love of Jesus. It's freedom in Christ. It's, it's the great upwelling in our hearts that say we've been saved. It's deliverance from sin. It's having the sales brought to us in our jobs. We could identify the kingdom of God with many different things, but what is essentially the kingdom of God? So let me identify the exact meaning of the words, the kingdom of God. And to do that, turn with me quickly to Mark, the first chapter, verse 14. Mark, the first chapter, verse 14. Now, after Jesus was arrested, I'm sorry, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You must repent and must believe in the gospel. So the first step is to recognize that there is a power functioning in our world that wants to captivate us. And I could take you to John, the gospel of John, to 1 John. We are constantly being warned not to give way to the power of this world. But what is the gospel of the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God, in simplest terms, is not geographic at its initial understanding. It becomes geographic. But it is literally the authority of God. The rule of God. So if we're going to talk about the kingdom of God we are literally talking about the authority that God exercises in ruling over all things. The problem is, the devil rules over this earth, and over the people of this earth. And so if we're going to speak about the good news of the gospel, we're talking literally about God coming into this world, with his armed forces to begin shoving the devil out of this world. It's about captivating, capturing, taking real estate, property, men's hearts. It is literally coming in at war with the darkness. So if I want to be a part-time Christian, I'm saying, Part of the time, I want to be in the darkness in the devil's realm, and part of the time, I want to be in the kingdom of light, and I want to be with Jesus. You can't be in the light and in the darkness at the same time. You are either of the seed of the serpent, or you have been born again and are seed of Jesus Christ. And there is a war on, and the war is for the minds and the hearts Of men. And the good news is that God is not like the devil. We find this in Luke, the eighth chapter. Luke, the eighth chapter. This is where we find the story of the Gadareans. It's also where we find the story that I just shared with the children. Now, please understand, there's a connection. What I shared with the children is that Jesus was crossing over to the Gadareans. The Gadareans were not Jewish, they were pagan. And Jesus was now invading the pagan land of the Gadareans. If you're in Israel today, they will tell you very quickly... The east coast of the Sea of Galilee is where the Gentiles live. It's that way today. So Jesus is now purposely invading the land of demonic powers. The devil sends a storm to try to take out Jesus and the disciples so he will not be able to go into the Gadareans. Now, please hear me. If you participate in the battle against darkness, the devil will do everything he can to take you out before you can be effective in confronting the powers of darkness. He is at war with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, they sail to the region of the Gadareans it's now almost night. He gets out of the boat, and immediately a demon possessed man comes charging at him. He is a brainwashed servant of the devil. The devil wants him to kill Jesus. The battle is on, and sometimes the battle becomes very physical. They sailed down to the region of the Gadareans, verse 26. Luke 8, verse 26, which is opposite of Galilee. Then he, having gone out upon the land, a certain man met him out of the city, who had demons for a long time, and he was not wearing clothes. This is a man possessed, utterly, completely. He was not staying in a house, but among the tombs. In that day, in the, in the graveyards, they would put, among the wealthy, they would put a cupolo above the tomb. Homeless people, demon-possessed people, would go to these cemeteries and they would set up camp under these cupolas that would protect them from the rain and from the sun. He sees Jesus and all he can do is fall down before him. With a loud voice he says, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? This is always what Satan must say. This is what demons must say. When they come before Jesus Christ or a man or woman filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, what have I do to what have I to do with you? When we are sold out as Christians, the devil and we have nothing in common. We are from two separate realms. The problem is we've tried to mix these two realms. They've got to be sorted out so that we do not compromise anything that Jesus would give to us because when we do, the Holy Spirit withdraws from us. We grieve him from our our heart and he leaves taking his power. Now notice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I am begging you not to torment me. The word torment is literally torture. Please don't torture me. And I have to stop and say, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Here's a man living in a cupola above a tomb. He's cutting himself. He's self-cutting. He's often hungry. He doesn't have clothing to wear. He is as poor as a man can get. He yells and screams through the night in agony over the attacks of the devil. It all started, I'm sure, innocently enough with him wanting the lust of his heart and giving himself slowly over to the powers of darkness probably stopped going to any place where there was any kind of worship of the living God. We don't know. He was a pagan. But slowly the demon power took him over. That thought is terrifying to me. That a human being, a son of Adam, could be taken over by powers of darkness and become so possessed that he could no longer control his own thoughts, or his own ideas, or his own actions. Now this man is afraid that God is going to torment him. What's the devil doing to him? I mean, can you think of worse torture than living over a tomb, in a cupola with no clothing, having broken cheddar of. Uh, fetters and chains, having the whole culture against you, isolated, no family. He's living out there in this graveyard. In that day as well, graveyards were considered places of uncleanness, of darkness. He's dwelling in death. But he's running at Jesus, falling down before him, saying, Don't torture me. Don't torture me. It reminds me of some people. Jesus asks them, would you give me that? And they say, oh, no. I'm not going to give you that. As though Jesus tortures us. As though Jesus is against us. Jesus is not against us. He is for us. And so he comes to us and he says, will you give me that? And we say, oh, no, I won't give you that. I asked a man this last week, would you do anything Jesus asked you to do? Would you give up anything you have in order to do what Jesus asked? He said, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. What? What? And you call yourself a Christian? Refusing to give to Jesus what he asks us to give is the beginning of demonic possession. Giving to Jesus all that he asks is the beginning of divine possession. To be possessed by the Holy Spirit or to be possessed by the unclean spirit And we have that choice. And it's not a choice made one time. It's a choice made over and over and over. And slowly, as we make those choices for darkness, the fetters come on our wrists. The chains are binding us tight until we no longer have a choice about how we run our own life because we have been sold into the power of darkness. This man is afraid that God is going to torment him. Jesus responds with such kindness. He commands the unclean spirit to come out from the man. Now please, every time we say yes to the powers of darkness, we become increasingly unclean and unstable of mind and heart. The more often we say yes to Jesus, we become possessed by the Holy Spirit and we become sound of mind, and we are washed and made clean. Now, what is so so difficult to grasp is that we think because we're Americans, we possess ourselves. No man possesses himself we're either being possessed increasingly by the powers of darkness or by the powers of light. And I've said many times in marriage counseling situations, and I want to tell you the same is true with Jesus, that by every action and every thought in a marriage, you are either cutting the ties of love or you are creating ties of love. Divorce happens in a marriage when all of the ties of love have been cut. When those ties are cut, the marriage is over. Right now, you may have ties to darkness, and ties to the light. And every action you take will either cut the ties of darkness or the ties of love with Jesus. Those are our choices. I choose to create ties of love. I do not want any tie of my heart to uncleanness. Every demon spirit is spoken of as an unclean spirit. Now we can make every excuse we want to make about our ties to darkness. A man can justify darkness quite easily. Ties to light, ties to Jesus Christ, creates of us a whole new person. We are, by nature, creatures of the darkness and not of the light. So now as we have the kingdom of God advancing in the world, that kingdom of God comes upon a man. And now that man is the central focus of that spiritual war that's taking place. It is very personal to Jesus. And he wants to attach with you cords of incredible love. And if you cut them off as soon as he establishes them, how can he save you? You will then be sent by the storm into the kingdom of darkness, where you will perish. Every fiber of our being has to be given to Jesus Christ as he ties us to himself. Remember, he loved us while we were yet sinners. In other words, while we were not reaching out to him, he was reaching out to us. And so as he reaches out to us, the battle is on for your real estate. Understand. The kingdom of God is the advancing army of God to take this world back from the devil. And he does it one soul at a time. One soul at a time. And he comes to you and he says, I love you. Repent. Believe the gospel. Believe the war is being fought, and you are the central focus of that war. Now, what are you going to do with those ties of love that are coming at you from Jesus Christ? Now, this man, filled with demons. The devil is trying to drive him into the desert. I have to stop a minute. Wait a minute. Where did the Holy Spirit drive Jesus? As soon as he was baptized, into the desert. Where is the demon trying to drive this man? Into the desert. The desert is the place of decision making, the desert is the place where we either learn we're going to turn against the Lord God of heaven and we're going to die, or the desert is the place where the manna will fall and the provision will come, and we will be cared for. Jesus questioned this man saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons entered into him, And they were calling on him that he might not command them to go away into the abyss. The abyss is the holding place for demonic angels until the day of judgment. And they were saying, please don't put us in jail yet. We have more we want to do. Jesus could have sent them into the abyss. He does not. But there's a herd of pigs feeding on the mountain. And they're calling on Jesus and, and asking if they have his permission to enter into these pigs. a herd of about 2,000. Now I can tell you that was a stinky mess. The aroma must have been incredible. Remember, the spirits are unclean and they want to go into unclean things and they want to take us into unclean things. Jesus gives them permission to go where they belong. And they go into death, uncleanness, and the whole herd charges down the mountain and over the cliff, and they drowned in the Sea of Galilee. This story is such a dramatic picture of the battle that is going on right now that we must be very conscious of in our hearts. The battle for whether we will rush into the uncleanness of this world or whether we're going to allow the ties of Jesus Christ to be bound to us and draw us into the light. Now, nowhere in Scripture do I find any indication that the kingdom of heaven... Is a place of torture. It's not. It's a place of joy and peace, long suffering, kindness, patience. It's a place of love. Now, see what happened. Someone goes into town and spreads the word that the herd is gone. It was not one man's herd, it was the people's herd. They had a communal herding. They all come out of the city to where Jesus is. And there they find their herd drowned in the sea. And they find this man from whom the demons has gone out. They are all well acquainted with him. None of them are brave enough to go into that that tomb and that cupola because they know they'll be murdered by this man. They find this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, having been clothed and in his right mind. I wonder if Peter gave him a shirt. I wonder who dressed him. Obviously, the disciples did. And they didn't have a suitcase of clothes. They took off what they had. And they dressed this man. When they saw this man sitting in his right mind, the scripture says they were afraid. I don't say this in any way to condemn us. But I've never yet seen a man or woman afraid of the church. That has to change the world should be terrified of this church. Because the ties of Jesus Christ are so powerful and so filled with love. And the world is so filled with darkness and despair and unbelief. I love Betty's story today. The battle raging in her heart. And finally she says, it all belongs to Jesus. Now he can come and do whatever he wants, and he can make her boss astonished when her testimony comes. Jesus did it. I've heard Sam's testimony time after time. I didn't bring those sales in. Jesus brought those sales in. His boss was a little afraid of him, by the way. And he should have been. Because it wasn't normal. It wasn't natural. It should not have been happening. It was the Holy Spirit's power moving. The church needs to rise up in such a manner, accepting the ties of God to our heart, the love of God being poured into us. The church needs to rise up in such a manner against the powers of darkness... That the world will be afraid of us because the powers of darkness are having their territory breached and they're having a loss of territory because the kingdom of God is igniting the love of a city and repentance and righteousness and people turning away from wickedness. Some revivals, amazing stories where the taverns all shut down, the police take a leave of absence because there's no crime in the city. There are no people, new people going to jail. Everything has changed. The culture is touched. It's transformed. We need that. I don't want a revival at the National Prayer Chapel that's kind of hidden in here in this little room. I want a revival that changes the culture of Washington, D.C., that changes what's happening in America. That's what happened when Jonathan Edwards preached. That's what happened when Charles and John Wesley preached. Everybody, it was transformed. The Welsh revival, I spoke with a man who was there and who witnessed it. He was a teacher in the Welsh revival. He said, the government had to come to us and ask us to please announce in the revival meetings, if you've stolen something from the government, please don't return it. Our warehouse is full of returned things. We don't know what to do with them. We forgive you. Stop making restitution. That's a changed culture. That's the power of God coming in. Now, what is God trying to do in your life that would make somebody in the kingdom of darkness afraid? I want the kingdom of darkness to tremble at the presence of Jesus Christ. He's not just some sweet, sentimental Santa Claus old man with a white beard. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is on the move against the powers of darkness. The good news of the kingdom of God is that Jesus Christ is the conqueror, the conqueror of men and women's hearts and the transforming of our culture. It has happened in the past. It must happen again. I pray today that you will be like this man who says, Jesus, can I come with you? Can I get in the boat with you? And Jesus says, no, go home and tell tell everyone in the Decapolis, the ten cities, go tell these ten cities what I've done for you because I'm coming for them. Can you imagine being an advanced scout for the kingdom of God to come into a city and say, this is what Jesus has done for me, and he's coming for you. Please may I tell you, Jesus is coming for you. And it may not be some sweet sentimental relationship. You may say, no, you can't come on the boat with me you go back to the cities of wickedness and you tell them what I've done for you, that I forgave you for your sins, I cast the demons out, I did not torture you, I released you from torture, I healed your diseases, I restored you to your family. Go back and tell them what the kingdom of God will do in their life. What i want to tell you today, the kingdom of God is on the move. And you either have to participate and join the fight or the fight's going to move on beyond you and you're going to be left behind as the wounded and the dead. Those who resist the righteousness of God and demand their own way and demand the fulfillment of the lust of their heart will be bypassed by the kingdom of God. I praise God he's not bypassed any of us yet. He's still calling after us. He wants the advancement of his kingdom. He wants the good news proclaimed. Jesus is on the move. It is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Mighty King, I plead today for the advancement of your mighty kingdom. I pray for the finances. I pray for the soldiers. I pray for the testimonies. I pray for the witnesses. I ask that the withholding will be stopped. The self-centeredness would be driven out. Selfishness cast down. Lord, I'm asking for freedom in this national prayer chapel. I'm asking for the joy and the salvation of the Lord to be manifest among us with such power that the world will tremble before your kingdom. Lord, thank you. Lord, send those ties of love to our heart. Draw us with compassion and mercy and we will worship you, and we will praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.